I'm delighted to say it's time yet again for another big kickoff rugby podcast, and I've been joined uh, once again by uh, Debbie Knight and Joe Harvey. Uh, Debbie, uh, good evening to you. Good evening. Good to be here. And Joe, good evening to you as well. Yeah, good evening, Peter. Peter, how are things? Very well, actually. Very well indeed. And uh, if you live in the West Country, I think uh, you'd likewise say exceptionally well, because uh, what a weekend for English clubs. Um, We'll talk about Exeter shortly, but um, where do I start? Friday evening, Challenge Cup final, Bristol Bears. what a match, what a performance. Joe, let's have your thoughts on Friday, first of all. Well, I mean, it was one of those. It's, it kind of felt a bit written in the stars with Bristol. You know, they've had such a great season and they, they've brought in the right players. And it was those players that had an influence very early on. Uh, obviously, Semi Rodrigo, that pass out to Harry Randall, set the tone very early doors for, for Bristol. There was obviously a bit of a lapse in the middle of the game, but then... I think when you've got someone like Callum Sheedy kicking all his penalties, his, his conversions, all that, it just sent, seemed everything kind of ticked into place just right for them. And, and Toulon, obviously, they were a giant of the past, but they're still coming to terms with where they are now. Um, you know, we, we can talk about the Johnny Wilkinsons of the world and how he really drove that team to, to where they got to. But Bristol just deserved to win it. And it was great seeing the celebrations at the end, like Joe Joyce, that picture of Joe Joyce lifting the trophy above of his head it's it, you know it's it's it, it's bizarre and it looks like something that's going to be in an oil painting in 10 years or something like that and, the, and we're, everyone's going to say well when was that and the, everyone's going to think it's 30 years ago something like that but um no it was just a great win and I think it set the tone for you know for Saturday as well in a way. Debbie do you think Bristol went there with the attitude that we're going to hit them hard and we're going to go right at it from the start and that really sort of unsettled uh, uh, Toulon, didn't it? I think Bristol did Bristol things, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, that, that try at the beginning was just... I mean, I was shouting the roof down. My, my neighbours must wonder what goes on at times here. <laughs> Fantastic try. But, but actually, I, I've done a bit of looking into the two teams, actually, because I've got this obsession in my mind that the French teams aren't French teams. Um, and, I, and I somehow think the two that played at the weekend were two of the teams that have possibly damaged French rugby a bit. But I found differently, actually. I mean, they had nine of their 15 French players um, and eight of um, Bristol's 15 are English players. But Callum Sheedy, what an interesting man he is. So he, he played for Wales under-16s in 2011 he played for Ireland under 19s in 2014, <laughs> and in 2019 he played for an England 15. I, I, someone wants to get hold of him and make him theirs, I would say. <laughs> he, he was the difference for me. I think he yeah. was fantastic. He really was. I mean, he kicked six penalties and two conversions. He he really was. Um, and he, and you you kind of think when he gets that ball for a kick, no matter where he is, a la Johnny Wilkinson a bit really, that he's going to go over the posts. So I think, yeah, he was the difference for me. I mean, Semi Radrada is a, is a superstar, isn't he? Let's be honest, the man that started at Parramatta Eels. But he, apart from the beginning there, he didn't necessarily do what he normally does. Um, but I, I could not have been happier to see them lift that trophy. It was fantastic. You mentioned about Semi. I mean, to be fair, he's had a brilliant season, hasn't oh, he? I mean, he, you know, he's been a revolution uh, for the yeah. Gallagher Premiership. Obviously, he came with the full package everybody said you know this guy is class and and, i mean he's proved it hasn't he 
he has. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here with the Scotland Rugby League top on at the moment, and that's and that because my, my brother's chairman of that. But I started watching my club rugby was rugby league first, not rugby union. So I take a big interest in those that make the crossover, and not many of them make it. But I think we can say that Semi Radradas definitely has made it. He really has. He's fantastic. Joe, can we now say firmly that Bristol have made it? Um, they won a trophy in Europe, which, let's be honest, few people would have predicted that quite a few years ago, wouldn't they? No, I mean, I think we've got to look where they were just a few years ago. They are in the Championship. And I think the key thing for me is, is the identity that Pat's created around the team. Like, obviously, like, when they changed the name, I think there was a lot of criticism about it. And mm. I think it's one of them, it's, it's one of those whole things of we don't like change, especially in sport like rugby. And, but... What Pat's done, he's created an identity and there's a belief there in the lads. And you look at someone like Joe Joyce, someone like Andy Eerin, who couldn't play, unfortunately, on Friday night. They're Bristol born and bred and I think they'd do anything for that club. Um, and, you know, I'll say that again, Joe Joyce, he was brilliant. And, you know, he nearly scored that try in his corner, but he was out of touch. Or it was a forward pass, it was one or the other. And, you know, I think it's those players that, that really set the tone. And I think it's those players that, that Pat wants to build around for the future because with them in the squad, there's that passion there and it just helps other lads around them. You mentioned about Pat, uh, Joe. How good a coach do you feel he really is? Oh, there's a question. <laughs> is... <laughs> I, like to, I like to put people on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I think a lot of what he does is the, is the kind of the, the people, the people person skills is what he's probably got best at. Um, I, unfortunately, I've, no, I've obviously never been hands on with him in, in any sense. Um, I recently wrote an article for for the Rugby Journal, and it was you know that was with Ali Muldowney, who recently retired. He's played for he played for Pat at um, Connacht when they won the Pro 12, and he played them again at, again at Bristol, and that was to again instill that culture. So I think what Pat does is he he, he makes boys want to play, and I think that's ultimately that's what like two thirds of the job really, isn't it? Mm, mm, mm. Well, <laughs> congratulations to Bristol. I think. You know, the whole country were rooting for Bristol, uh, absolutely deserved. And then, of course, 24 hours later, up pops another West Country side to sort of carry on the baton where, where Bristol left off from Friday evening. Um, Debbie, Exeter and Racing 92. Um, I, you know, I described Friday as being a, an outstanding match, but hey, anybody think you could never match it? But my God, they did, didn't they? What a contest. They did. It was really worthy of a European final. What a game. I mean, uh, we, we had the, the Finn Russell, who can be absolutely sublimely wonderful or incredibly awful. <laughs> and we saw both sides of him, didn't we? Um, mm. But of course, Freddie, or Teddy, Iber, Ira, I can't quite say, Iribaren, started, started things off for Exeter. Um, <laughs> And then Finn helped them along. Fantastic game. And when we didn't really know, did we, until those dying moments, who was going to win that match? It, I, I mean, I couldn't have been happier for Exeter. It's fantastic. He, that there is a man who is a fantastic coach. Um, again, not to do my English-French numbers, both teams had 11 of their 15 were eligible to play for the country that they were playing in. And I think what um, Rob Baxter has done is he's taken, he's got a couple of, key players from that have come from other teams and let's say specifically two of them from Scotland who are at the very top of their game 
Um, so to, to get them to go all the, all the way down there, he must have been offering something good to them. And of course, what he's offered to them is a European Cup now. Um, so I think he, he clearly is a very talented coach. He, he's got a fantastic team there. Uh, Joe, Exeter at half-time obviously deserved that, you know, and that 40 minutes performance. But of course, in the back of your mind, you, you, you obviously felt like most people did, the game isn't won yet. Racing are going to come back into this. And they did, didn't they? Oh, they did in style. I mean, I think it's everything you expect from a French team. Maybe a bit of a dodgy first 40 and then they come back again in the second half. And they certainly did. You know, I think... Finn Russell looked a lot brighter at the start of that second half in particular. I don't know. He, he's the kind of person in my head that would probably have a word with himself at halftime. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure he completely understands all the French going on around him, so he might as well be speaking to himself. Um, Simon Zebo switched on a bit, but then was substituted. Juan Imhoff, he had an influence as well. You know, it was, it was weirdly, it wasn't exactly the French lads that were really kind of pulling the strings and were they making the influence, to be honest. Um, Ira Bren, when he came off, that was a good decision. Because um, he was he was chucking it all over the place in the in the at that yeah. first half and yeah there was always that thing in your head of it but ultimately I think I think extra played the game well because they did, they played their game and that was ultimately what what won them it which sounds a bit daft thing to say but it's true <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, it, it's wonderful for a game for you know English rugby obviously extra to winning this remember go back twelve months Saracens remember Debbie. I thought I'd get that in for you uh, yeah. 12 months ago as well. <laughs> yeah. You never know next season we could have another English side, couldn't we? Or one, you know, Exeter again, possibly winning it. There's a host of other sides that it, it, it takes a lot to win a, a Champions Cup. Let's be honest, it really does take a lot, doesn't it? Well, and the core, the core of that Exeter side is actually very young. I mean, I yeah. can't say enough about Joe Simmons. Yeah. The lad is 23 years old. And and what a player he is! I mean, to to stand up. I know I know they had they had a point lead, mm. but to stand up and take that kick at the end. I mean, his game management was just superb. And of course, that's where Finn Russell's game management wasn't very good. You know, why didn't he take a drop goal? Has yeah. that gone out of their vocabulary? I, you know, who knows what would have happened had he if had he dropped a goal when they were in Exeter's half. Um, is one of the reasons I think the man has only got 46 caps for Scotland, in spite of the fact he can be an absolute genius. Mm, yeah, fair point, actually. I think mm. we should also praise the referee as well, shouldn't we? Uh, what, what do you reckon, Joe? Oh, 100%, because, you know, you know at the end... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and, you know, that end, that end of yeah. the game where he's asking about the clock, that's, that's you know, that's atypical of, of Nigel, isn't it? Yeah. Because... In his mind, he's done something. He's clicked his watch. It's kept on running. His watch is obviously the correct time, is, as is with every referee. You don't look at the clock, you know, that's on, on the far side of the stand sometimes even because, you know, the referee's got the right time. And usually they've got like three watches down their wrists. <laughs> but, um, you know, he did the right thing by consulting, consulting, you know, the television match official because if he hadn't, it would have looked like he just blew it early, which mm -hmm. was not the case. And, yeah, he wasn't taking anything, especially at scrum time as well. He's quite, you know, he's quite forthright with what he wanted. And yeah, it was just, a, you know, it was, it was a great game from him. And he, you can see why he's the man for them kind of occasions. I think it was his seventh Champions Cup final mm -hmm. at the weekend, which is bonkers. I think only Wayne Barnes is probably ever going to get close. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Nigel. I was, you know, 
yeah, I know some people might say, oh, he, you know, he, sometimes he puts it on a bit and the players, this, this, that and the other. But look, at the end of the day, I, I generally feel that players respect a referee like that, don't they? There was just one incident for me that I I felt a little uncertain about, and that was that when the Henry Slade situation where his hand went across the player's face. Mm. That mm. was the one thing that I and they did look at it. To be fair, um, but that was the one thing that I wasn't very sure about. Mm. Joe Rob Baxter, um, I mean, he deserves full praise for obviously what he's done down there at Exeter. I mean. You know, at the end of the day, record speaks for itself. Uh, he's an outstanding coach, both on and off the field, I think it has to be said as well. There's a few people been saying already, look, at the end of the day, this guy can go on to bigger and better things. I mean, what, what, what's your take on that? It's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's a coaching career and a playing career that was made and has always stayed in Exeter. And there is, a, there is a huge difference between coaching a club side and an international side. I don't know if he, he, he could be one of those people that doesn't like not doing anything for months at a time and just watching games. He might want to be coaching every week. It, this is the thing with it suits certain people, does, does international coaching. And then that's maybe why you see so many international coaches that used to be teachers, for example, because they, they're used to planning things for a long period of time. Mm. So when they're actually able to do things, that makes it a lot easier for them. And their people skills are obviously better because you're interacting with children, you're interacting with other teachers, you're interacting with parents. It is, you know, Rob's obviously, he's so, he's so in the, you know, the Devon community. Even. <laughs> it's so difficult to say if he would even be, you know, it's difficult to say whether he'd be an international coach or not. I think England's obviously what everyone's going to say. Um, I, I, I think he's better off staying at Exeter, to be honest, and because that legacy is what he's been part of that legacy for what a good part of the half of the 25 years we all talk about, then being in Division Four and then getting all the way to the Premiership. Debbie, what, what's your take on that? Big part of me says, why would he want to? To be honest, it's mm. it's a bit of a poison chalice, isn't it? If yeah. we're honest. The England job, and no, I, I agree with Joe. I, I think he's, you know, what he he carries on doing the wonderful things that he's doing down there, where his life is, where his family is. It's a little bit different being a nomad every weekend, isn't it? Or, or, or constantly. <laughs> mm. I, I'm, I'm not sure why he'd want to. I really, I'm really not. Mm. Okay, uh, let's move on to another subject. Uh, a couple of days ago, Sam Simmons was. Uh, uh, announced as the European Player of the Year. Um, Debbie, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, fantastic player. Mm. I, I, I can't understand why he hasn't played for England more than he has. I'm, t I'm told by friends in the know that actually he's not big enough. But when mm. when I saw him playing for England, the guy is fantastic. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see. what I know we're going to come on to England, so I won't go too far. But yeah, what a talented pair of players they are. Wow, wouldn't you be proud if you were their parents? I mean, he, so, so he is, how old is he? 25, mm. you know, and, and Joe is 23. We've got an awful lot of years of those brothers playing rugby at the highest level. And Joe? Correct yeah, all? Deserved? Oh, 100%. When you look at the try scoring rate, um, and it, it does, it, it's always one of those, because we've seen a couple of European players now been been English guys that aren't playing much international rugby, you know. Um, Alex, Alex Good, he was a couple of years ago. Um, and even the lads that played in France for a time, Stefan Armitage, Nick Benderman, you know, they were all guys, another fullback, funnily enough, Nick Benderman. Um, 
I mean, we can play, we can talk about England's fullbacks maybe for three weeks, but um, but yes, you know, we can talk about the size thing, but he's the same size as Ben Earl, isn't he? Mm-hmm. The same size as Tom Curry, who both played eight. So I, maybe Eddie just doesn't like him. Same with Joe Simmons, because our Joe Simmons isn't in isn't near an England squad with his leadership skills that he's already got. On top of being a brilliant player, oh, it's 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 mad. But these these are why you know we have these discussions, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be debates about that, isn't there, as well? So, uh, right, we're going to move on now. And, uh, obviously, this weekend will be the Gallagher uh, <clears throat> Premiership uh, Rugby Final. Um, under normal circumstances, we would be talking about uh, um, <clears throat> Wasp against Exeter. A chance for Exeter to do the double, yes. Obviously, Wasp, normally, you would say, well, the form they're in would give Exeter a hell of a game. But we know Wasps have had trouble with COVID-19. As it stands at the moment, I, I believe, um, Joe will probably correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're going to make an announcement tomorrow. Is that right, Joe? Or have I heard things differently? Or No, no, no that's completely correct. They've had another round of testing today. It's like, yeah. with the, um, it's like with that Sail Sharks game a couple of weeks ago. They've had another round of testing and then they're going to find out tomorrow morning. It'll probably all get leaked tonight anyway. Yeah, I, was gonna, I think it will actually. <laughs> Social media sites, etc. Yeah, or press releases that come through to us, of course. Yes. Um, now, ideally, it'd be a mouth-watering final, Wasp against Exeter. It really would. But obviously, if Wasp cannot make this fixture, then of course we have the, uh, which is a big debate going on at the moment. Uh, we mentioned them earlier. Bristol will step in. Um, they've turned around and said that. They're up for it. They will be ready. Obviously, they wouldn't want to go into these sort of circumstances. No, understandably so. But they have turned around and said, uh, Pat Lamb has said, yes, we are ready. We're on standby, basically. Is is that fair? Uh, Let's kick off with Debbie. What's your thoughts, Debbie? Is it fair? Not really. (laughs) But we're living in a, in a, a different world, aren't we? It's not fair. No. I mean... I think Wasps, Wasps Exeter, let's hope it happens because I think it will be a fantastic final. Mm. Um, I mean, Wasps, I think, are topping the table, aren't they, post-restart. They've had the best run of any team, I think. Um, is it fair? No, it's not. It ought to be the 20 nil to Exeter and Exeter lift that trophy, really. But there's an awful lot of money riding on it. And, and at the moment, the game can't afford to lose that money, can it? No, you're right, it can't. But then, if if it did get to this, I mean, fingers crossed it won't, obviously, let, let's hope and pray that that isn't the case. Isn't the, you know, isn't the Premiership going to be a bit of a laughing stock? People are going to say, well, hang on a minute, you know, that's wrong. Uh, Joe, what's your take? Yeah, there's a part of me that just says, chill out for a couple of weeks and then just reschedule it or yeah. kick off next season with the final, for example. I don't know, it's... It's bizarre that we're in a situation where, firstly, we got to a final. We've only just found out this was going to be the case if a team that was in the final and had significant numbers of COVID-19, you know, why we didn't know this or this wasn't really public knowledge when it all restarted back in August, that's one question. And that's one thing that's driving people at the wall, and understandably so. Um, but also, obviously, you feel for us because, and obviously, you hope everyone's going to be okay. Um, that's obviously probably on the top of my mind. And, you know, but then the other thing is you should just probably hand X to the trophy if they're ineligible to play because what we're going to get, we're going to get basically a friendly with a team that's going to feel a bit awkward about walking out there on um, on Saturday afternoon. 
and then you know one team that's pretty bang up for it but is thinking this isn't what we really wanted wouldn't it be more sensible joe i mean i'll take your point 100 percent. postpone it say for a couple of weeks i mean surely there's a calendar you know all right, i appreciate obviously we've got autumn internationals coming up etc mm-hmm. as well and players are going to turn around and say look at the end of the day um, we really do need a break because obviously the new season starts literally in a few weeks' time. I mean, I get that. I fully understand that. Mm. But this is a prestige final, isn't it? I mean, surely powers that be could possibly... I, I mean, I go along with you, you know, I, that would be my fault initially. Mm. What, what do you reckon to that, Joe? And, and then I'll come in with Debbie's point. It's the, it's the multi-million pound question, isn't it, about what's actually best to do because... The game is at a point now with 25 years into professionalism where money is actually ultimately the only thing because there's not much of it contrary to popular belief. Um, I'd, I'd like to think there's a way, if, if Wasps are unable to play, I'd like to think there's a way that we could sandwich it in with the internationals. Like if, for example, Eddie was to say, well, you can have the players from these teams because it doesn't look like he's going to be selecting loads from either, maybe you know five from each. Um, it's it, just too many moving cogs to know what's right, but I would I would like to see a postponement if if wasps are unable to play. Debbie, <laughs> you're asking a Saracens fan if the Premiership are making themselves <laughs> a laughing stock. That's, that's well, a little yeah. bit of a loaded, <laughs> that's a bit of a loaded question from from my point of view. Hmm. Um, I think purely and simply money talks, and that hmm. TV slot is booked for this Saturday. And yeah, I I think there's no way, by the way, if it is Bristol Bears, that they won't be up for it. I don't think I don't think they'll be going into it as friendly. They'll want to lift that that trophy as much as Exeter do. Um, But there's something about that just doesn't feel right at all. But those guys, they've got to have a rest. And actually, I think they've also got to have their chance of getting into this England team. So I, I think it would be quite regrettable if... Exeter players, Bristol players, Wasp players, whichever we're talking, miss out because this final has been postponed. And I, I don't know where you'd put it. I think it would have been a good idea, yes, to look at the beginning of the season. Um, but but that, those fixtures are set now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and I, I suppose can't... the other, I, I guess the other side of the coin, so to speak, you know, if Exeter were awarded it, whatever, uh, 20 new, as you quite rightly say, it, it, is it really going to mean that much to them? I mean, yeah, you know, they can say, yes, well, we've been crowned <laughs> Premiership champions, but it, it isn't the way to be crowned, is it? But isn't it, actually? Because they, they did win the league, didn't they? Yeah, so it, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, yeah. let's face it, let's be honest, that game at the weekend is about money, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It really is. And, and I, know, I know that teams have learnt to time their seasons so that you can get a team that finishes fourth winning the thing but think it'd be interesting to ask a Gloucester fan what they think of that you know how many years did they top the table and then actually not not win a final Mm. and and actually if we look at how Bristol got into the premiership thank goodness they changed that situation because they finished top time and again didn't they and then couldn't win playoff games yeah so it's it's not the recent way to win it but they, they've won the league, and by some stretch. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to that, Joe? No, no, I agree. Because, you know, for, for many, many years with every sport, I mean, if we're talking about football, they don't do a playoff at the top of the football. It's just European qualification. Um, 
it is a money thing uh, and that's that's to do with rugby being a new professional sport as much as anything you need to you know drive the revenues and try and add a bit of extra spice to it all to keep people engaged for longer um and keep people more you know in, in embedded with the sport which adds to more media and more money as a result so it's it's one of those but i mean i'd, I'd happily just see extra lift it because they were top of the table i mean history shows probably more likely to win the final as well so you'd probably have to you'd probably have to back back extra to win it to be honest mm. Well, we will see. Let's hope everything gets sorted out. And as you quite rightly say, you know, obviously the priority at the moment is, like Joe said, the Wasp players, you know, we, we yeah. hope everybody is well. well and not too badly affected by this more than anything else. And at the end of the day, let's hope there isn't going to be any more positive tests. And that final will go ahead. And the nation around the world can see, I'm sure, will be an absolute cracking match, most definitely. Couple of points to finish with. Um, Eddie Jones today announced the uh, a thirty-two man squad group for the uh, Barbarians game coming up as well. Debbie, uh, I guess you've digested the names of the thirty-two. I, I know you tweeted me earlier saying uh, Saracens won, but there you are. Uh, I thought you might do. Well, something. no, I, as in that they're playing <laughs> the Saracens Barbarians. It's <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see a very familiar looking team in a very unfamiliar looking shirt, I think. Um, I've got a concern and I've had a concern for years now about the number nine shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Rome when Ben Young's broke it or I damaged his leg really badly. I mean, I mean, when was that? Two, three years ago. And at that time, as fantastic a player as he was, Richard Wigglesworth was our backup. And he was in his late 30s then. Now, is Ben Spencer going to become the new Alex Good? You know, he's picked seven Bath players in total, but he hasn't picked Ben Spencer. We've still got Ben Youngs and Willie Hines. That, that's really disappointing for me. I mean, we've got Harry Randall, Jack Maunder, Dan Robson, who all might be involved at the weekend. Please, let's see one of those names. In, in, the, in this new, in the Autumn Nations Cup, we have to have replacement scrum halves coming through. I, I don't get it. Mm. Joe, I gather you've uh, been looking over those names, those 32 names, any uh, concerns or praises? Or? Uh, I think my main one, I was just a bit confused when I saw the names of four loose head props. I know, I know obviously Joe Marler's, you know, he's in there for reconditioning. He's not actually there to, to play a part. On um, Saturday, oh Sunday, sorry, I'm getting my days mixed up already. It's only Tuesday, um, <laughs> and it's just things like that, just little things like that. When you're seeing, you know, when you're seeing like four, <laughs> when you're seeing four loose head props in the squad, that's right. I just, I'm just grateful I've got my door closed now because I think my cat will probably be jumping on me. But, um, but <laughs> it's just things like, <laughs> oh, well, I'll take that. But um, nice bit of interest in me. That's nice. Um, but you know, you're seeing like three loose head props in there. You know that there's one of them's obviously there in there to be have to have, have a look at essentially, um, and then two of them are going to play. Just things like that. I think the forwards is a bit bit awkward, but that's not obviously not been helped by the finals taking place this weekend because you could argue, you know, you could have an extra Johnny Hill in there. He's been brilliant since the restart. Uh, well, he's been brilliant for for a number of years now. But um, it's difficult to say. It's a bar bars game. It's a it's a developmental tool. That's what it's turned into, um, in my opinion. And but the problem is, you're going to see a number of lads that played in the developmental game last year, um, 
like Alex Dombrand, Alex Mitchell. Um, so just little things like that. But it's interesting because, I mean, I'm going to see someone like Ali Crosdale by the looks of things because he's been in all them, them squads in the lead up. Um, just little, you know, players that we've not seen much of. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, and apparently, you know, some injuries. Apparently, Elliot Daly's had a leg, had to see a leg specialist about something today. That's disappointing because I wrote a piece about how he used to play for the Barbarians seven years ago and, you know, just things like that. But it's, um, it's a fun game. It's going to be a fun game. Thankfully, I'm going to be there on Sunday. It's going to be a good game. Nice day out. Hopefully, get a train home. Um, <laughs> that's the key thing. Um, <laughs> But no, it's gonna be it's gonna be good fun. I think it's a it's a solid squad for for a game that that is a friendly and I think contractually has had to be played. <laughs> well, I'm sure Eddie will learn something from uh, what happens, as you say, Joe, on uh, Sunday. And finally, then we're going to wrap things up with uh, the Six Nations. Yes, remember that um, you know that tournament that started a while ago. Obviously, unfortunately, it was put on hold, and now people are saying. I can't even remember who's top of the Six Nations and etc. as well. But at least the good news is, guys, it's back this weekend. Uh, Ireland will play Italy. I mean, it doesn't take a magician to work out that <laughs> you'd have to say an Ireland home win for obvious reasons. Uh, I doubt even the, the most loyal Italian fan would probably <laughs> totally enoughly disagree with that as well. So, Joe, is it good to get the Six Nations back? I think I think more than anything, it's good to get the Six Nations finished. <laughs> you know, we, we've we've been in this little limbo. We were in a limbo, obviously, for a long time about when the games would take place. It's just great. It's going to be great to see so many guys back out there, kind of playing the top level of rugby. We've had a couple of games. You know, we've had uh, what we had. We've got the Bledisloe Cup at the minute. That's good fun. But I'm not mad keen on waking up at three o'clock in the morning. So we're going to have a nice little kickoff time for us there. Um, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be it's going to be good fun, you know. And obviously, it's an it's an early look at Italy because England have got them the week after. Yeah. Um, just little things like that, and it's going to be good to see just just a number of lads playing. Actually, I think on the Friday night we've got Scotland playing Georgia in a friendly as well. So that's an in, that's a quick look at Georgia before the Autumn Nations Cup because I don't have a clue what to expect to be honest. <laughs> Debbie. <laughs> Well, it, it it means I think that if Ireland do get that win, that they'll be top, won't they, after this weekend? Mm. Um, which makes France Ireland a very interesting ma match up the week after. Um, so England thirteen, France thirteen, Scotland. Actually, they'll be on thirteen if they win, unless they get a bonus point. Ireland, which is to be expected, I'd say. Um, yeah. yeah, looking forward to. It. I love Six Nations rugby. Mm. I really do. It should be great. And I think I think actually the fact that that's heading our way straight after this Barbarians game, we I don't think we'll see our standard fun and games Barbarians game. I think it will be a bit more serious than that, um, because there will be people there that w want to be playing for that for a place in the in the Six Nations squad. I do. I, can I just mention Mark Wilson? I'm very pleased to see him yes. back in the England squad. Actually. Mm. What 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 a wonderful! We've got so many options in the back row now, haven't we? It's amazing. It's like we're Wales. I just can't believe it, really. <laughs> and and there's, there's so many back rows you can't even get in the squad. Yeah, well. yeah, look at it that amazing. way. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent right. Got yeah. a couple of minutes left. We, we, we just quickly talk Italy. I mean, <laughs> you have to feel a little bit sorry for Italy. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I know sometimes people say, well, yeah, but look, how many, how many I think they've won, I can't remember how many Six Nations matches. It's not many in the last. Not many. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
is this a case now of getting rid of Italy and bringing somebody else in as well? So what, what do you reckon, Debbie? Let's have relegation and promotion. Um, I mean, what's interesting in this, I looked at this Autumn Nations Cup um, situation and the final weekend is based on pool rankings. Mm. And in, so therefore we've got Ireland, Wales and England and the fourth team is Georgia. Now that tells us something, doesn't it? Mm. They, I mean, they need to be playing more rugby. I, I think Italy have been there, I don't know how many years now, but it's... It's a, it's a horrible situation for them, really. You know, played three, lost three. How, how many times have we seen that from them? Played five, lost five. It's not good for their development, is it? And of course, and the, the one... Point, sorry, and the points difference as well. It's phenomenal, isn't it? If, yeah, if you look I mean, it's points, 72 at the moment. Exactly, I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Joe, you, you can have the final word on Italy. <laughs> I'm in a situation here because um, Italy, one of Italy's players is a columnist for TRU, uh, Seb Negri. Um, oh, great well. lad. Uh, very nice, very nice young man and I, I wish him all the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one. I mean, the problem is with Italy at the minute, we're seeing them pick up players from the UK. You, you know, the EPQ, Stephen Varney, obviously he's recently had COVID. I hope he's okay. He's in the squad, so I imagine that he is. Uh, Jake Pledry, Seb Negri, South Africa qualified, England qualified, everything up to the ears qualified. Um, that's not a sustainable model. I think that's the key, the key thing. I think maybe kicking them out, maybe for a year or two, maybe that's the relegation thing we talked about. Maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe get, get the house in order, uh, try and get some more Italian, like proper Italian. I mean, we talk about Dave Cece. I could, I'd probably go for a longer list of non-Italian players to, to Italian players, even Sergio Parise. He's Argentinian. So, you know, we're in a situation there. Um, I think it all start. It all starts there before we, we really pass judgment because we're not really seeing Italy teams. We're seeing we're seeing teams of people that have lived there for, for long enough. Mm-hmm. On that point, we've almost run out of time. Uh, my thanks to uh, uh, Joe Harvey. Thank you very much, Joe, from uh, Talking Rugby Union. You can catch Joe on talkingrugbyunion.co.uk. Uh, Debbie Knight, Debbie, thank you very much for your comments as ever. Thank you. You can catch Debbie on Twitter, which is. Deb's K-N-I-G. Nice and easy. That's how we like it. Brilliant. Uh, my name's Peter Moore. This has been the Big Kickoff Rugby Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. We will return in a couple of weeks' time, and then we'll be talking about uh, the Gallagher Premiership final, hopefully, that did take place, and Six Nations as well, which will take place, and a few other things also.